1979 proved to be a great year for power pop music. One band that was at the right place in the right time was the Toms. Their self-titled album was darn near perfect. But if you dug a little deeper, you'd find out that it was the work of just one man, Tommy Moralda. Even more amazing was the fact that that album was recorded in just one weekend. A respected songwriter, musician, record producer, engineer, and music publisher, Moralda shares with us his memories about that weekend and the lost tracks that make up his latest Future Man Records release, The Tom's 1979 Sessions. Right now on Front to Back, here's Tom Moralda. Hello, this is Tommy Moralda. Got a little story to tell about the songs on my 1979 sessions for the Toms that I recorded back in 1979. Um, I started a little recording studio back in New Jersey called Songgram Recording Studio. I had the pleasure of uh, getting the word out by a lot of my good friends, and I had bands like the Smithereens, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Frank Stallone. We did some work for his brother Sly before Rocky came out, um, as Rocky was coming out, actually. Uh, I have to to remember the year. So I had some major songwriters coming through from Earth, Wind & Fire, and my writing partner was Richie Sambora from Bon Jovi at the time, but he wasn't in Bon Jovi, so I introduced him to John, and the rest is history. But anyway, I was pretty busy in the studio, and I did have some time on this weekend. I think the Smithereens were coming in, and they canceled because I think one of the fellows, maybe the drummer Dennis Dyken, was could have been ill that that weekend or whatever. But so I had some free time on my hands, three days actually. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I had written a bunch of song lyrics that I wanted to write some music for. So I I went on my back porch with my acoustic guitar and kind of started laying down these songs. And uh, what ended up to be the 12 songs on the original Tom's Red and White Checkered album were cuts that I believed were the most commercial at that time. So anyway, I did just find recently last year some reel-to-reel tapes where there were additional 15 or 16 songs from those 12 because I guess I was a little ambitious on that weekend and um, recorded uh, those uh, 14 songs that were just left by the side there and I'm saying to myself well I don't know if these reel-to-reel tapes are going to be any good. So anyway, I went to California and I met up with a friend, Casey, and uh, at the um, Thousand Oaks record store who had a bunch of old reel-to-reel tape recorders, I remember, because I lived there for a while and I would visit them quite frequently. And I said, look, I have some tapes here. Um, I'm going to a premiere for this Frank Stallone movie that I'm in and got some music in and whatnot over the weekend. Can you see if there's anything on here? He said, yeah, I'll look, I'll look at them. So I didn't give much hope to it. So I got back home, and um, two weeks later, living in uh, Las Vegas here now, uh, he sent me a CD, and I played it, and I was overwhelmed with joy that they came out fantastic, and the song sounded pretty good. Call the Surgeon, which is the first song off the uh, 1979 sessions, Call the Surgeon Part 2. I call it Part 2 because Part 1 was actually on an album that I put out, um, my very first album, was called Me, Out for the First Time. And it's not a Tom's record. It was kind of prog rock. I was into Yes and Genesis, Gentle Giant, those type of bands. Um, It impressed me, the musicianship. So I wanted to try to make myself feel I can fall into that category by playing my instrument the best I could. But the music I wrote was a little strange. But anyway, Call the Surgeon was one of the songs, and I felt that it needed a better remake. So I did it uh, during that time, and I had the lyrics. So again, I had three days to do all this, and most of the songs were recorded one at a time. I would record a click track or try to record a click track. But my click track at that time was a metronome, like you sit on top of a piano. So I didn't have, there were no computers. For editing, I used scissors and scotch tape. Anyway. Pleasure, get out from the earth. Can I 
Started with Call the Surgeon, that was set the, the tone, and then um, recorded She Said Goodbye, which is very Beatlish. Tried to keep the harmonies and the guitars in the realm of, of the Beatles, but it was coming out like the Toms, which hadn't really developed a style or a sound until this weekend session. recorded uh, That Could Change Tomorrow. In that song, actually in all the songs, my favorite thing recording is actually the last thing I record, and that's the bass. I just loved putting the bass on. In fact, if the bass didn't work, if it didn't do anything for me, give me goosebumps or whatever, I wouldn't use the song, I'd erase it. I'm sure I have a bunch of them lying around without a bass part on it. Either they do have a bass part on it, so maybe there's another bunch of songs out there somewhere. But uh, that could change tomorrow. The bass part drives the song. Uh, it's got that clean guitar sound, my Ibanez copy of a Les Black Les Paul 
Gibson Les Paul. I was using an EB3 bass and also a Dan Electro black six string bass and just really stacking up the, the electric guitars. No acoustic guitar. Even though I wrote all these on acoustic guitar, there was no acoustic guitars on these. All the songs were basically guitars. There's a couple things with with a piano maybe on it, an electric piano, but no real synths. Music was, was coming out at that time. There was a big heavy uh, 80 influence coming into play, but I, I wanted to stay strictly with the guitars, and uh, I just dug guitar sound. Um, I think one of the other albums that was influencing me at the time, especially sonically, was something that I felt I almost paralyzed myself with, and that was the group Boston and Tom Schultz, who basically did a lot of it in his basement and, and did it by himself, uh, except for bringing in a, you know, a few fellows here and there, like the singer Brad Dell who we, we all miss dearly. Uh, but Tom, I kind of really enjoyed the sonic sound of his album. Uh, and I was trying to copy it, actually, and I don't think I did a good job. And <laughs> that's how I came up with the sound that came out anyway. The next song is called um, Till the End of the Day, and it's actually a gal singing that song who had visited my studio, I think, on the Saturday. We laid this song down, and I sang over it with her and thought it would be good to just hold it someday for whatever purpose, but it, it's there, and I added it to the album here. In fact, I just put it in a small short film. It has some strange words in it about... Uh, pushing a shopping cart across the ocean floor. I never did drugs, so I don't know where that line came from. <laughs> never drank either. Maybe too much Coca-Cola, maybe. I'm gonna push my shopping cart across the ocean floor. I'm gonna buy myself a gun when I'm back on shore. Till the end of the day I'm gonna feed my hungry heart 
Next song is called uh, Guilty as a Killer Wave. I used to visit uh, Wildwood in the summer, and I think I got a lot of inspiration by being on the beach. I would write some lyrics in the motel room. There was a couple of clubs there that we'd go visit. Can't remember which ones they are, but I did meet Mickey Dolenson one in the bathroom from the Monkees. I'm like, oh my God, do I say anything to him? Nah, maybe I better not. It's weird. But anyway, he was in there, and there were some good bands playing at the time. But I think Guilty as a Killer Wave, I was watching some kids on the shore going into the waves there, and it started getting a little bit dangerous, and I was looking for, where's the parents to these kids? So I think that's where Guilty as a Killer Wave came from.
The next song, She's So Lovely. Well, I have sometimes curiosity about how somebody can write a song that is based on one chord. Sly and the Family Stone did it with, I forgot the name of the song, but he did it. I find it interesting because just changing maybe the bass pattern a little bit or the melody scheme a little bit makes it sound like the chords are changing, but they're not. This is the closest thing, I think, to an acoustic guitar on there. I used an electric guitar, but not through an amp or anything, just mic'd it close up. And I think there's a couple of mics on that. I, I have to jog my memory. It was 40 years ago. But She's So Lovely is one of my favorite songs on, on the album, uh, just because it's so different from the rest of the tunes. When the chords do change, there's a chord in there that you, you don't find often in, um, I don't want to say rock or alternative, but maybe I will. It's a major seventh chord, and throwing that in there uh, kind of lifted my spirits a little bit. I kind of like that that chord. But anyway, She's So Lovely, the bass kind of moves like it's moving a lot of different chords, but it's pretty much the same, and it has kind of almost an Indian feel, uh, like using a sitar where they have a drone gone through it, but it's just that chord, and, and um, the key, I think it was key of C might have been it, where it kind of drones throughout the whole song. Anyway, it's an interesting song. Some of my friends say, hey, you're spreading out, <laughs> doing something different. This wine and this laughter, he's giving his best shot because the moment's feeling right. She knows what he's after, he touches her makeup, we might take that ride tonight. Talking about doing something different. Love at first sight 
it's a little strange being on a Tom's record. It has a really funky feel. Uh, the beat's very simple because I'm not the greatest drummer in the world. So most of the drums on this record are kind of straightforward. Uh, be lucky if you hear too many fills. If, whenever I would fill, I, it, I felt like I wasn't getting back on the beat. So I try to stay away from them. Does key changes at the end? And I don't know how I sang those parts because I listened to it today and those voices are high. I don't think I could redo that song again. I'd have to lower it about six keys just like John Bon Jovi does in uh, Living on a Prayer. I don't think he can hit those notes either. But anyway, uh, it's a funky type of song. Love at first sight. I think all of us had that uh, love at first sight feeling, seeing somebody for the first time. So it was something I put down. Angela Christmas, the next song. Uh, Angela Christmas, I don't want to change your last name. Uh, meaning that uh, she felt like a holiday. It was just great being with her. And it's a true story. Uh, my first girlfriend's name was Angela. 
I won't reveal her last name, but it wasn't Christmas. And I didn't want to marry her, so I didn't want to change her last name. I enjoy this song. It just has a great feel. It's not really a holiday song, but it feels like a holiday song somehow. And I didn't want to put bells or whistles and all that kind of sleigh bells things. And I didn't want, I didn't want to get into the Phil Spector realm of doing something like that. Uh, but that's where that song came from, my first, my very first um, crush, my very first love at first sight was Angela Christmas. I don't want to change your last name. Okay, Dirty Water. Not by the Standells, but I always liked that title, so I hope they didn't mind. I stole the title, and you can't copyright a title, I don't think, anyway. So, Dirty Water. The interesting thing about the toms is, is the little fills between the vocals and some of the lead parts, guitar part leads. I try, I didn't have a 12, well, I, I did have a 12 string on some of them, but to, to play the leads, I would play the single track. And then I would do an octave lower, an octave higher, and it would end up like six or seven guitars playing the solo. And sometimes so that, that kept me from, from making very, very difficult solos that I'd have to follow because I only had three days to record all these songs, so I didn't want to spend that much time analyzing the solos and trying to re redo them one at a time. So most of the time it was off the top of my head, and then I'd have to copy it, octave lower, octave higher. And it's very prevalent on this song, if you listen close enough. And Dirty Water, no relation to the Standells. Dirty 
Talk is cheap, and it almost didn't really make it. It's not one of my favorite songs on here, but it, it works, I guess. Talk is cheap is about having a girlfriend or a friend or a wife or whatever, I guess. And, um, you know, they're always kind of, well, you know, I think I'm guilty of it, too. Okay, I'll admit it. I've told some lies. <laughs> In relationships, I guess they come up, they go, you know, whatever. It's good fodder for writing songs. You have to write about love every once in a while. Most, probably 90% of the songs are... Or, or about relationships, love, love of this, love of that, or I hate this, I hate that. Um, but anyway, Talk is Cheap um, did end up on the album. It wasn't, my, like I said, it wasn't my favorite. You gave me sordid details About someone Someone you met Based on Your reaction You've lost Every ounce of my respect Talk is cheap Talk is cheap It doesn't matter what you say to me Your deceit Your deceit It doesn't
Next song, Was It Good For You Too? Again, I must have been inhaling um, helium to get those notes. I, I I try to do it today. I can almost squeak them out, but not quite. It's got some very, very high background vocals and lead vocals. I remember the first time I played it, I think, during the next, the following week for Richie Sambora, who was over just messing around in the studio. And I think he put it on his answering machine. <laughs> of course, we had answering machines at that time. So you would you would call his number. Uh, he was in Woodbridge, New Jersey, about 20 minutes from me. And uh, the recording, Was It Good For You Too, would come on. <laughs> and I thought it was pretty interesting. A lot of quick little guitar parts on here. I enjoyed, again, that playing a little funky bass because it's a very simple funk beat going on. Uh, never thought the words funk and the toms would be combined together, but there you go. You heard it from me. next song, Uptown, it reminds me actually a little bit of the song Hook, which was really influenced by Boston, like I was talking about. It's got those distorted guitars, probably four of them, I'm pretty sure. Again, 
I, I really try to do a lot of harmonies and vocals on this one because I couldn't sing as high as Brad Delp, nor did I have that kind of pop voice that he has. Everybody says, oh, everything you write sounds like John Lennon or the Beatles. And I go, well, okay. I might as well embrace it and keep that style going if I can. But anyway, Uptown should have made the first red and white original Tom's album. But I, like I said, it, it, it sounded a little bit too much like the song Hook, which was about writing a song. So Uptown, you, you got lucky, pal. You, you almost didn't make it. You almost got, the, got on the cutting floor. Next song, Dedicated. There again, it has that octave, two or three octave solo guitars. The song Dedicated, I always liked the, the song Dedicated to the One I Love. I think it was the Shirelles did it. Coming out of the Brill Building in New York. It's just great songs that were written at that time. So that's probably where I got part of the title. Those voices that go, ah, you know, twist and shout and shake a tail feather and all those great R&B exciting songs. I put a little bit of that in there. It didn't work out as exciting as I would have hoped um, because I don't have a real soulful voice, but it was fun recording this particular song. And again, I don't know why it didn't make it on the first one. It got close, but I really wanted to limit the first album to just 12 songs, but it's better uh, late than never, I guess. Oh, I also played some harmonica on this song just for rhythm parts not as solo parts and actually a couple of songs on the original tom's album and this album too there's harmonicas in there even if i bury them it just adds a little bit of something to fill it out or wonder what is that droning type of sound going on but there are some harmonicas here and there and i can play a pretty mean blues harmonica but i don't do it like um steven tyler of aerosmith he's fantastic <laughs> 
Okay, the last song coming up is Standing in the Shadow. There's no bass in this song for a long time, and when it does come in, it's a fuzz bass. I don't know why I did that. I heard I heard a couple songs. I think the Stones used a lot of fuzz bass here and there. So I used it on this song, and it's really a departure from the traditional Tom sound. I enjoy the harmonies and the way the song just follows, and you think something's going to happen like uh, Ravel's Bolero, but nothing really too exciting happened, so... Again, I got I have to only say that maybe that title was um, inspired by the Rolling Stones. Have you seen your mother, baby? Standing in the shadows. That's my low voice. Uh, anyway, that's the last song on the album, and I'm so happy that the the tapes came out pretty good and um, better than I expected. With a little little help from EQ and mastering and uh, compression. And uh, it sounded pretty good. Not too bad. Okay. Onward and upward, I'm just I just finished a new album called Toplicated. Tomplicated, like complicated. Uh, because sometimes I feel like I am a complicated person. And uh, again, playing all the instruments, singing all the uh, tracks. Um, sometimes I do bring my friend Richie Samborian on guitar. He thinks of himself as an honorary member of the band, which I'm honored to have him as that. Um, I've written many songs for his solo record, so um, we help each other in that respect. So, Toplicated is due in 2020 under the quarantine. I guess I needed something to do for three months, like many other musicians. I hope they were writing and recording as well. And um, the first two songs from it are out. There's a video out. One Man Girl Parade is the video. And the flip side is You Shot Me Out of a Cannon out of your canon 
Uh, again, trying to stay true to the form with the guitars, a little bit more pianos. Uh, actually, just like Standing in the Shadows, had uh, the basic instrument was a piano on that. And that drone sound in the beginning, I didn't have a synthesizer, so I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was one of my twin daughters humming upstairs or, you know, to making some kind of noise, and I recorded it. Alrighty, thank you so, so much. Uh, enjoy all your support. I appreciate it. And um, maybe we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.